You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Uh, it is my favorite movie of all time because of the themes and the elements. And uh, I'm going to answer quickly one of the questions from the movie that we're not going to do a sermon on. And that is, do angels really get their wings every time a bell rings? The answer to that question is no. So, sorry, that is fiction. All right. It is not in the Bible. Angels do not get their wings every time a bell rings. But the movie does bring up interesting questions like, what would my life be like if I wasn't born? And uh, how do you deal with with, uh, the struggles and the pain and the trials of life? How do you, uh, does God answer prayer? These are some of the compelling questions that the movie raises. So we're answering some of those questions. George Bailey in the movie had a gift he wasn't sure that he wanted, and that was his life. Uh, and that gift, uh, it seemed in the real world, was, was seemingly falling apart all around him. He, he was in his entire business, his, his reputation was falling apart. He was facing prison, and he was in the midst of scandal and uh, rumors, and it looked like his family was to be uh, left destitute. All he had was a life insurance policy, and he thought that maybe if he killed himself, that his family could collect the insurance and that they could at least survive. So he was on his way to go kill himself. He was about to jump off a bridge into the frozen uh, river there. And uh, just at that moment, God intervened and sent an angel to help him. And George Bailey was given the opportunity to see what his life would have been like had he never been born. And after seeing that experience, he saw the significance of his life and he wanted to live. Now today, I want to talk about What led George to that bridge? I want to talk about the question that is, what happens when life isn't so wonderful? When it's not a wonderful life, when it's a miserable life, when everything seems to be falling apart, when everything seems to be unraveling, um, what do we do? That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes we receive gifts that we're not really sure that we want. Now, a Sunday school teacher asked their children, she get, she gathered her kids around, and it was Christmas, and she goes, all right, children, tell me, what is the meaning of Christmas? What is Christmas about? And so some of the kids began to answer. Their answers were, of course, Jesus' birthday. Another one, it's about joy. It's about giving. But then one kid, he stood up, and he says, it's a time for good sportsmanship. And the teacher confused. She said, why is it a time for good sportsmanship? He says, because you don't always get everything you want. You have to be a good sport about it. Because everyone, every once in a while in life, receives gifts they're not really sure that they want. Everybody gives a gift, especially during the holiday season, that maybe they didn't really want. Well, USA Today did a survey. Uh, What do you do with the gift that's not quite right? And this is what people said, all right? See which one you are. Uh, 31% of the people, when they get a gift that they didn't want, they keep it. Uh, 30%, I like this one, they hide it. (laughs) They just, as if it doesn't exist, right? Until the family member comes over and it comes back out, right? Uh, (laughs) I like this one. 13% toss it, okay? Uh, 12% give it away, all right? And only 6% of the people who receive a gift they didn't want return it. 
Now, how, anybody here love to return gifts? Who would rather, you know, <laughs> have your, your teeth pulled and get a root canal than return gifts? Anybody? I mean, you just, you don't, you're not a big fan of returning gifts. Any some of you guys? I'm not a big fan of going shopping, period. And then to return gifts, I was like, oh, uh, I don't think I would toss it, but I would drag myself and return it. Only 6% of you return the gift. A reality of life is that sometimes life gives you what you don't want. And how you respond to that situation is going to determine a lot about your future after that situation. Christmas can even compound uh, that kind of stress in life when life isn't so great, when life has, has gifted you uh, a miserable life. Uh, has gifted you a, a trial, a circumstance, a, a, a health problem. When life has given you that stuff or a loss of someone you love, Christmas compounds the stress, can compound the worry. And a lot of things uh, that we worry about are actually legitimate and serious. I mean, our health, our finances, uh, our marriage, if it's not doing too well, a family crisis, are my kids going to be all right? Am I going to have a job next year? Uh, what's the doctor going to say uh, with that appointment when I, after uh, New Year's? Jesus told us this in John 10.10. 10. Jesus says, the thief, that's the enemy, that's Satan, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and may have it to the full. Yes, sometimes Life seems anything but abundant and full, doesn't it? Some of you that are even Christians, you're like, I know that verse, but sometimes it seems like the thief is winning. It seems because all around you is stealing and killing and destroying, not only in this world, but in your life. It's a wonderful life. You think, really? I mean, with terrorist attacks and violence and injustice? So what do we do when life doesn't seem so wonderful? Well, to a Christian follower, the darkness of this world saddens us. We weep, we mourn. It's real, but it's not a surprise because we know who's behind this. John 10.10 10 tells us it's the thief. It's Satan. There's a very real Satan. Worry never solves today's problems. It only robs you of today's peace. I want you to hear this verse from Jesus. It says this in Luke 21.34. It says, be careful of your hearts. Uh, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. That's kind of, I've known people that when they get stressed out, man, they need a drink. They, they look to a bottle. They look to a prescription. They look to something to bring some relief. He says, Jesus says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. I mean, will be dragging you into destructive behavior like drunkenness or anxieties, which leads to depression. He says, and that day will close in you unexpectedly like a trap. I mean, Jesus knows that life can be miserable at times. And we can discuss why bad things happen. That's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about why life is still wonderful when life doesn't seem so wonderful. But we could talk about why bad things happen in life. I mean, the reality is that a lot of us are living with our own poor choices and having to live with other people's poor choices around us. And the reality of why things happen is because we live in a fallen and broken world that is spiraling into decay. And we also have a very real spiritual enemy that is 
on the attack against God's people and upon people in general. For the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Those are the reasons why things that are bad happen in life. But what I want to talk to you about today is that even with all of this, it's still a wonderful life. When your finances are in the dumps, it's still a wonderful life. When your health seems like it's not going to get any better, it's still a wonderful life. When your marriage doesn't seem like it's ever going to be what you imagined, it's still a wonderful life. And I'll tell you why it's still a wonderful life. Here's why it's still a wonderful life. Let's take a look at Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he, Jesus, will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So here's why your life, why this life and in life, life is wonderful no matter what. Here's the first thing. Because Jesus came to give you true life. True life. We, you know, life is not made up in the possessions that you have or if your car starts in the morning or if the bills are paid, or if you have lights in your house, or if you even have a blanket to sleep under. Life, true life, real life, is come and is given, and you have an opportunity to have that if you don't already, because Jesus has come. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. This is very specific. This is an an intentional event. It was an answer to the problem of pain and suffering in this world. Jesus said, you have pain. Your life is hurting. You are sick. You are depressed. You are angry. You are addicted. Well, here I come. I've showed up. I'm the answer to your pain and suffering. In Matthew 1.23, the writer says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means means God with us. You see, God stepped out and he stepped down to meet you, to walk with you, to walk with us, bringing redemption, bringing back our value, bringing forgiveness, bringing grace, bringing salvation, bringing true and real life that, that supersedes the, the life that you see. God loves the people of this world. He is broken over the darkness and despair. The separation is not pleasing to him. In fact, he loves us so much that he chose to actually participate with us in our brokenness. That pain that you experience, he experienced it as well. He chose to receive that pain and to feel it. That depression that you feel, that feeling of abandonment and loneliness, Jesus experienced that. That sickness, that pain in your body, that chronic uh, pain and injury, that that imminent health problem, Jesus experienced that. He participated in your brokenness. Matthew one twenty says, After he, Joseph, had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She was pregnant and he was supposed to marry her. And as many of you guys would be concerned about, Joseph didn't want to marry her. Well, the angel said, you know what? She's pregnant because it's a God thing. The Holy Spirit did it. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The word Jesus, the word Yeshua is the Hebrew word. It's the same word. It's also the same word as Joshua, by the way. Jesus, Yeshua, Isus in Greek means in Hebrew, it means savior. And in Greek, it means 
healer. The Savior has come to heal our broken hearts. Jesus will be his name because he has come to give us and restore our life in this dark world. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. In Ephesians 3.12, I love this, Jesus had done it. He did it. It says, in him and through him, uh, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. You see, Jesus, his birth was on purpose, with a purpose. He was born to die. That baby was to become a man. And that man was to carry our cross. And he wasn't just any man. He was the God man, fully God, fully man. And he took our cross. He took our pain. He took our brokenness. He took our sin. He took our depression. He took our despair. He took our miserable life so that we could experience true life and hope. Romans 8.18, Jesus gives us life now. And life to come. So the pain in this life has little meaning. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. So in this life, you already have in Christ real life. And the trials and the suffering and the struggles of this life, they don't even compare to what God has for those that are his. This is what it says in Corinthians. Paul says this in chapter four, verse seven. He says, he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. The jars of clay, that means you and me. That means vessels of clay that are easily broken, that are molded, that are are useful, but, but they're not made for eternal. This, our body, our flesh and blood will decay. Every one of you in this room, uh, breaking news, you're going to die. And Some of you young people, breaking news, you're going to get old. All those people you make fun of, you're going to be one, okay? Because this jar of clay is is not eternal. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, our bodies to show that his all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And then in verse 16, he says, Therefore, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs all of our suffering, that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen in this life, but on what is unseen in the next life. Since What is seen is temporary, this life, he says, but what is unseen is eternal. He says, you know what? This pain, this suffering, all the stuff you're going through, it may be miserable, but you have a reason to know and to rejoice that it is a wonderful life. We have reason. It just like the angels saying, we can sing, we can shout, Gloria in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest. In the midst of your trial, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your negative balance, in the midst of that doctor's report, in the midst of that layoff letter, in the midst of that summons, in the midst of that uh, uh, court appearance, in, in the midst of your mistakes, you can say, Gloria, in excelsis Dale, 
For our Lord, he is glorious because I have reason to rejoice because this is not the end. Here's the promise of Christmas, Isaiah 1.18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though our sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They are red as crimson. They shall be like wool. They are, though they're red, they'll be washed white. You see, you have not sinned too bad. You have not gone too far. You have not ran uh, too far. Jesus says, come. I can make you new. It doesn't have to be a miserable life. Here's the second reason why it can be a wonderful life in the middle of a life that's not so wonderful is Jesus bears the weight of life when we are exhausted. Isaiah 9, 6, he says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. See, guys, listen, there's not a single candidate that's gonna fix the world's problem. Sorry, Trumpers. Sorry, cruisers. Sorry, Sander Urs, Hillary Urs, or whatever you are. Sorry, politicians cannot fix the problem. Here's a new, I love America. I feel blessed that I've been given the opportunity to be here. America cannot solve the problem. Our government cannot fix and solve the problems of the world. Our governments, the governments of the world were broken then. And guess what? They are still broken now, but there's good news because the great ruler, who's not a politician, but a king, he is coming, he will return, and he will carry the weight of that responsibility upon his shoulders. The good and just and righteous leader will come. So until then, we do our best to pick those that reflect Christ the best, but ultimately they will always fail us. You realize that, right? That guy who you got a bumper sticker for, you know, those posts on your Facebook, go for it if they reflect Christ. You know, you pick the person that you feel like represents Christ the best. But here's the deal. They're going to disappoint you. Every president does. Every congressman does. Every representative does. Every governor does. You know why? Because they're human beings with a sinful nature and they're not the king of kings. They're not the good and perfect judge. They're not the one who is just in all of his decisions. This government is broken. This world is broken. We do our best, but ultimately the only one that can bear the weight of the world and our stress and our exhaustion is Christ himself. In fact, until then, Jesus, the glorious king, bears the, uh, he will bear the weight of the world, but until then, he also bears the weight of your world. This is what he says, uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 5, he says, so humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all of your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Do you feel the pressure of this life just weighing down on you? Do you feel like the, the, the weight on your shoulders financially or your family or job or just, or just people's expectations is more than you can bear? Jesus says, give it to me. I can bear the weight on my shoulders because in this life, Jesus bears the weight when we are exhausted. So it's a wonderful life. Here's a third reason right here. Uh, number three is that Jesus provides guidance in this life when we are lost. Isaiah 9, 6 says that he will be called wonderful Counselor, that word is amazing guide. That means that if you are in need of, if you're feeling lost right now, you know, maybe it's not such a wonderful life because where you are right now in life, you're not really sure what is gonna happen in January. 
I mean, January 1st, I mean, we're like Christmas, 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 and bam, New Year, right? It's like as soon as Christmas is over, like, we got to think about what we're doing Christmas Eve. We only got a week to pull this thing together because we're all about Christmas, and the New Year's here before we know it. And you're like, but you don't know what the New Year's going to have for you, and, and you're not sure if you're going to go to school, if you're going to go to work, if you're going to have a job, if your marriage is going to work out, if things are going to happen with your kids, or if you're going to be single still, or you don't know what's going on. In your, but you know what? God says, hey, listen, Jesus says, hey, I'm the wonderful counselor, and when you need guidance, when you're feeling lost, I'm your guide. The angel declared to the shepherds that night, they said, but the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Joy to the world. The counselor, the guide is here. And when we rest in his guidance, he gives us his joy. It can be a wonderful life because the wonderful counselor is here. You need counsel? You need guidance? He's here. Here's a fourth reason. Jesus gives strength to endure when we feel like giving up. Isaiah 9, 6 says, and he will be called mighty God. Everybody turn your name and say, man, he's mighty God. Mighty God. This not only declares that that Jesus is God, not only does it declare the deity of Jesus, but it also declares the power of Jesus. Guys, listen, he is able to do all that he wills. He is good and his promises are trustworthy and true. Do you need that power today? Do you need the one that can do anything in your life today? Do you need a miracle in your life today? Well, good news, he has come. The mighty God is here. Good news, his strength, his power. When you feel like you can't handle any more of this and you are ready to quit, good news, mighty God has showed up. And he has the power to give you strength when you don't have the strength to endure. When you feel like you can't continue this marriage God says, oh, the mighty God is here. If you call upon me, if you don't think you can finish out semester, if you don't feel like you're going to pass, if you don't feel like you can stay at that job, if you feel like you're never going to get a job, whatever your situation is and you feel like you're going to quit, you feel like giving in, if living for Christ has been a real struggle and a battle, Jesus says, come on, I care. I'm the mighty God. I have the power and the strength to give you whatever you need to sustain and to move forward in life. I have that power. I am mighty God. The impossible can be made possible. Do you feel like a situation is impossible? Do you feel like your future is bleak? Are you exhausted? Are you ready to quit? Jesus says, my grace is sufficient. I am the mighty God. And here's number five reason. Uh, Jesus makes his, uh, he makes us family when we feel alone in life. And and Isaiah 9, 6, he says, and he will be called everlasting father. That means perfect, ever-present dad. The word there is in, uh, in the original is aviyad, which means father of eternity. Here's what I love about this. He is the everlasting, never-changing, perfect, never wavers, not moved or influenced by fads father. And I love that because here's the beauty of this. The beauty of this is in John 1, 12, it says that through Jesus alone, we are made children of God. Galatians 4, 6 and Romans 8, 15 says that it is only through Jesus that we can call God Father. You see, through Jesus, our relationship with God becomes a family matter. He's not just God anymore, the one out there who might or might not be knowable, but through Jesus, all of a sudden he's known, and he's not just known, he's 
father. He goes from a force, a being, the man upstairs, that guy, whoever he is, the clock winder, whatever. He becomes father, aviad, everlasting, good, perfect, just father who's unwavered and unmoved by our worries, by our cares, by our concerns. He's a good dad. He's a good dad. And I love this about our father. In a song about the Messiah, David sings this in Psalm 68, beginning with four. He says, sing to God, sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of the widows. Is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the Lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. So you have a choice today. You can be rebellious in your heart towards God and feel like life is burning you and relationships will burn, or you can turn to the Father, the perfect Father. Maybe some of you, you haven't had a very good Father I'm going to tell you something. Maybe you've had a great father. It doesn't matter. You'll never fill the void with a boy or a girl in your life. You'll never fill the void with a bank account. You'll never fill the void with possessions or things. No man, no woman, no car can save or fill the void of the father, only our heavenly father. Now, I like that we have kids in service today So, because I believe we're family. And uh, this is a perfect time. What are we talking about right now? We're talking about family. Because you know what the beauty of this is? when Guys, when you become a child of God, guess what you become a part of? The family of God. Some of you here, you've lost family. You feel alone. But when you feel alone, it's a wonderful life because you have family. You have family. You have brothers and sisters here. You have spiritual fathers. You have spiritual mothers. We often expect our earthly relationships to be everlasting but only one is everlasting. We stock so much on the here and in our family and in our, and in our parents, and we forget only our everlasting Father can fill the void of life and of lost love. God, your consistent, patient, gracious, merciful, humble, strong Father will never leave you, only found through Jesus. And because of Jesus, God gives us the ability to call ourselves family, the church. You don't have to be alone ever again in Jesus. It's a wonderful life. Here's the last thing is number six. Jesus offers us peace when life is out of control. Isaiah 9, 6 says, and he will be called Prince of Peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is not just a card on Christmas. The word there is Sar Shalom. Guys, listen. That means that's, that's not just a cup of coffee uh, in the morning. Oh, man, thank you. God is my peace. You know, what a peaceful morning. This is not a cup of coffee in the morning on a, on a sunny day. Um, this, is, this is, Sar Shalom is an encompassing wholeness, completion, a full tranquility of life. Guys, listen, everything you want in life, and everything you desire, truly desire for your family, for the ones you love in life, is only found in the Sar Shalom. Because there's nothing that will bring you peace and tranquility 
other than the Sar Shalom. You know, if you've, ever, like, if you've ever wished for your family just to be blessed, just to be happy, just to have peace, just to have joy, if you've just ever wanted for your own life, for your own family, for you, I just, you, just, you just have craved your whole life just for some peace of mind, just for some sense of purpose, just for a sense of tranquility. God, just give me some tranquility. Make the noise. Go away. Sar Shalom, he's the prince of peace. He's a wholeness of tranquility. And it's not found in meditating on blankness. It's not found in some mystery nowhere called nirvana. It's found in the presence of the Sar Shalom himself, Jesus. When life is going out of control, get with the Sar Shalom. Don't purge your mind and think zero Meditate on the goodness and the grace and the peace and the love of God who is the good father, who is the bringer of peace. He is the Sar Shalom, a fullness of tranquility and peace in our life. He is everything. He's the prince of it all. Apart from him, you cannot even know true peace. I want you to think about this for a second. It is Jesus who gives us the ability to experience any goodness in this life. The simple joys, I'll tell you why it's a wonderful life. A loving kiss. That's a wonderful life. A warm embrace. The breath of a puppy. A sunset. A calming ocean tide. The cry of a child. The magic of falling snow. Holding a newborn baby. Watching your kids play together. All these things are a taste of more to come from the Sar Shalom. That same peace, that tranquility you get when you experience those things, is Jesus saying, you want more of that? Come to me. Walk with me. So when you see the craziness of the world and you're overwhelmed by worry and despair, remember, it's because of that very reason of that pain that Christ came. I need two people to help me out real quick. I'm not going to hurt you, I promise, or do anything bad to you. I just need someone to hold this for me. So I need two people, please. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? All right. Thank you, guys. All right. I'm going to have you hold one side. And uh, Jonathan, you want to hold the other side? Okay. Now, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 1, uh, 2 and 3, you can put it up over my head. Okay, let's move it to the middle a little bit. Um, it tells us that, that the world is shrouded in darkness. We hear this again and again through the Gospels, and we hear it through the New Testament, through, through the letters of, uh, of, uh, of the prophets. We, we see this kind of, as long as my head's not seen, we see in and throughout the Scripture that the world is shrouded in darkness. We are blinded by the cares and concerns of this world. Pain, suffering, violence, hatred, rage, anger, abuse, attack, mistreatment of children, mistreatment of women, abandonment. We see a world that is in incredible chaos and pain and suffering. It is in darkness. Let me tell you what Christmas is. This is Christmas right here. Christmas is a pinhole in the darkness. That's all it is. Christmas is God saying, the darkness has been broken. Hope has come. And through Christ's life, he gave us 
he gave his disciples a glimpse, a peace, a view through the darkness of the world. But it didn't end here. This is what he did. At the cross, Jesus didn't just break the darkness. He tore the darkness open. This is the cross. He tore the veil open. So now, while, while Christmas was just a, a pinhole in the darkness, the cross broke through the darkness once and for all. But here's, it doesn't stop there. This is what Jesus did. At the resurrection, he tore down the darkness and trampled on it. Thank you. See, Christmas was just the pinhole break in the darkness. The cross was the tearing open of the darkness. The resurrection was the tearing down and the trampling of the darkness. But guys, listen to this. As sure as Jesus came the first time, the second time when he returns, he does away with darkness once and for all. See, that is the gospel. Amen. Make some noise because that is amazing. That is what Christ has done. When we celebrate Christmas, we are saying the light, dink, the light has come. But the cross has opened the way and the resurrection has trampled on it and his return will throw it away. Guys, listen, as sure as he came, he's coming again. And we celebrate today and we celebrate Friday at Christmas because we know the story only started there. And we celebrate and know that he came. Guys, listen, he will come again. And that's good news in this miserable life. When life doesn't seem so wonderful, know that darkness will finally one day be done away with. So in this life, why is it so wonderful? Well, it's a wonderful life because God is still through the Holy Spirit calling people to come and rest. Calling those whosoever will to come and sit down at his table. Why is it a wonderful life? Because God is still writing names in the Lamb's book of life. Because God is still redeeming lives and he can redeem yours. You know why it's a wonderful life? Because Jesus will return again. Not as a baby, but as a glorious king. Making every wrong right. And until then, we are his hands and we are his feet to heal and to prepare for that return. So you want to know why it's a wonderful life? Here's why. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It is a wonderful, wonderful life. Amen? Amen. Check out this video, and then we're going to pray with you today. A people living in darkness, living in the land of the shadow of death. Is this you? Where is God in the silence? Where is God in the darkness? Could it be that your pain, your grief, all the world's suffering, all the world's darkness is the genesis of new life? For out of the darkness, when there was only emptiness, God spoke forth light. From within the darkness of the earth, toiling up from beneath the soil, God brought forth life. After that dark and stormy flood, adrift for 40 nights, 
from the hand of God came a promise. After the darkness of the wilderness, years wandering lost, trying to hold on to faith, he gave a promised land. From the darkness of a mother's womb, all the questions, all the expectation, God formed a child. And from the darkness of that silent night, when it seemed the voice of God was unheard, when it seemed the hand of God was unseen, that silence was broken by the cries of a baby, a son, a savior. God wastes nothing, not even our darkness. For we know that for those who love God, even in our times of darkness, God is working for our good. So today, in the midst of whatever darkness you feel, know this, today a light has dawned. Hope is not lost, hope is never lost. Today, hope is born. I want to pray for you this morning. Let's, let's bow our heads. God, thank you that you broke into the darkness of this world nearly 2,000 years ago. And Father, thank you that you're still breaking through the darkness of our life. Lord, I understand there's possibly some people here, God, that that have not made it out of the darkness yet. Their, Their life is still in the dark. God, I pray that today they make that choice to let the light shine through and to know that you have broken through the darkness of their life and have the opportunity to give them a new life, a future life. So with heads bowed, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Christ right now with a very simple but special prayer. Let's all pray this together out loud. Dear Jesus, especially those of you that, that really want to say yes to Christ today. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Forgive me of my sin. Break through the darkness of my life and wash me clean. I want to start over today. Here's my life. Here's my heart. Take all of me. I will follow you. Teach me how. Teach me to walk in the light of your love, of your life, of your grace. Jesus' name. I want to pray for you now. Father, God, there's some people here I believe that need guidance. That God, there's people here, Christians even, that feel exhausted. They're worried. They're stressed. They're at the verge of quitting. God, I pray that you break through that darkness and let them know that it's a wonderful life because you have come to give them strength. God, you are the God of the impossible. You're the God that never gives up and never gives in. God, help us to find you. If, you're just, if that's you, will you just talk to, talk to Jesus right now? Talk to God saying, you know, tell him whatever you're going through right now. I want to challenge you. We come to church to, to not listen to God, but also to talk to God. So uh, go ahead and talk to him. Say, say God, here's, here's my troubles. Here's my struggle. Go ahead and talk to him for a moment.
God, give us the peace that surpasses understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.